Welcome to the Lubar Executive Education Podcast. This episode is part of our series focused on defining the five key performance indicators of manager value. My co-host for the series is Derek Van Mel, founder of the Center for Management Terms and Practices. And our guest today is Emily Pellman, Human Resource Manager for Owner's Edge in New Berlin, Wisconsin. Owner's Edge is a holding company of five independent organizations, so there's many complex HR issues. Emily's been with Owner's Edge for seven years and holds her professional and human resources certification. She also has a degree in business administration with a concentration in human resources management. Welcome, Emily. Derek and I appreciate you being with us to share your insights. Thank you, Mike. Very happy to be here today. Derek, so far in this series, we've talked about three KPIs, sales, customer service, and productivity. What key performance indicator of manager value will we talk about in this episode? Well, Emily is going to talk to us about employee retention. And, you know, I think that we can think about the first podcast with Kevin Hegman saying that, you know, a key performance indicator is only as good as the behavior it, it affects. And, uh, you know, I know Emily has given, you know, this issue a lot of thought in a very complex situation. So, um, you know, I'm going to put her on the spot a little bit because we're here to, to get at the numbers. It's not just enough to talk about this is important. We should all work on it. It just makes sense. You have to quantify it. My, my first question for you is, you know, how do you put a number on retention? You know, if you improve it, what, you know, what are the financial benefits that you get? Yeah, putting a number to retention is somewhat complex, just depending on the role, tenure of the employees may be leaving the position, but it's something that is possible to put a number to. I've really looked at this based on, you know, the organization that I work with. We have three types of employees, more of our field technician role. Um, then you have mid-level managers and executives. So when you look at the technician piece, we um, a few years back did do an analysis of what the retention costs would be. For us, it's roughly three to $5,000 just to onboard someone in the position. So to hire them on, they come day one, they start with us, it's about three to $5,000. So if they leave after that, um, depending on the amount of time they've spent in the field, um, say it's one to two months, that could be four times the amount of just the onboarding cost. So you could be looking at with a turnover of one field technician, roughly $20,000. So it can add up. And then, um, so if you look at the mid-level managers, if you're working with the recruiter, with most cases, we often for mid-level managers do work with the recruiter to support our recruiting efforts. This will obviously drive up turnover costs. You could be paying a recruiter to replace anywhere from a Ten to $15,000 in order for that replacement to uh, be hired. But I think the biggest impact is the cost of time, which really is hard to put a value to. If you have a manager that leaves maybe after six to 12 months, this could create about a year and a half lag um, from the training of someone in the role, gaining momentum in the position. And then, of course, if they leave, you have to start all over again in that you're losing time on. So it's important as you're recruiting to focus your efforts on hiring the right person and taking the time to interview to ensure they are the right match for the company. So obviously that cost can be significant depending on the mid-level manager that you're hiring, what position it is, you could be looking at $50,000 in replacement costs. Then the last um, type of category of employee I mentioned is the executive. 
for us, we've been extremely fortunate that this does not happen often, but when an executive does leave the business, typically that's a six-figure cost to replace. It's very significant. So we hope it doesn't happen, of course. And then, of course, lastly, there are the indirect costs as well that tie to retention and turnover. If you have employees leaving, that is a huge impact on morale, customer relationships, knowledge transfer, and overall productivity. So you do have to focus on trying to reduce your turnover and reduction of um, any non-retention related items. So if you have constant turnover or key people leaving the business, that negatively impacts your culture. And I think most companies have seen that if they have um, higher turnover. So, well, Emily, you know, so pretend, I, you know, I'm the grumpy CFO. So a lot of businesses, I mean, in, in your sector or in healthcare or services anywhere, that frontline staff, what you call tech, technical staff, that turnover has been pretty ferocious um, over the past couple of years. Um, and we'll see what 2021 brings. You know, I, I want to ask you to, you know, give away too much about, you know, owner's edge, but can you give us some sort of idea of the, the volume of turnover, I mean, how, what, what are the numbers there? Because that fifteen twenty thousand dollar ahead number really stuck in my mind, and I'm wondering if we could run that out a little bit. Yeah, so I work very closely with CCNN Communications, Cabling, and Networking, which is one of the businesses under the Owner's Edge portfolio structure. For example, their turnover today for um, our technical frontline individuals is close to fifteen percent. A few years back, if you look back about four years ago, we were at 40%. So we've wow. had significant reduction because we've spent the time and put a focus on it because it was causing a poor culture. And that's something that we didn't want to have continue, of course. Just thinking about the scale of it, about how many frontline people or technical staff do you have? Today, we have close to 125. 125. So, uh, Mike, you're you're the financial wizard. So, correct me here. So, 125%, you reduce that by 25%. That's call it 30 times 20,000 a pop is $600,000 a year that goes right to profit. Yeah. Did I get that right? Yep. That's uh, it's definitely profit, if not cost avoidance at the very least. So, yeah, yeah, quite a good number to have and something that you'd want to be driving out of your business. Emily, when have you seen someone improve this KPI? Yeah, so as I've referenced, about four years ago, our frontline field technical staff, our turnover was close to 40%. Today, we sit at close to 15%, so that was a significant reduction. Our CEO had identified that our turnover was above 40%, and of course, with the costs we've discussed so far, that's a huge impact to our bottom line that with constant effort, we could improve. So she created an initiative for uh, myself to look at ways that we can improve our overall turnover and retention rate. The initiative we took forward was to focus on four key areas. The first was obviously an initiative around our hiring practices, uh, reviewing our recruiting process and reasons for employees leaving. There are some key focus areas you can look at when you go through an exit interview with an employee and understand why they're leaving. If you start seeing a trend or some key reasons, it's important to put initiatives around that. So that's what we had done. The second key area was onboarding. 
where we really didn't have a structured onboarding program in place. So we actually developed a program where they're in our office for three days at a bare minimum. They're meeting with some of the top level leaders in the business and also being introduced to the managers that they'll be working with and then some of the key field employees that they'll be spending a lot of time with over the course of their first few months. And then, of course, we implemented some new hands-on training, which has been extremely successful. The third key area was initiating a mentoring program. We don't have, I guess, one true mentor for each employee, but it was looking at how can we have a few different key people that are leaders in our field that they can work with. So we did pair them up with a few mentors, and it's been successful so far. And then the last key area of the initiative was around educating our employees on the ESOP. So if you aren't aware, we are 100% employee owned and most employees that come to our business obviously have not worked at a similar employee owned company previously. So it's extremely important for us to educate from the beginning on what that benefit is. If each employee sees that benefit and understands it, we found that our retention rate significantly goes down. It's well known in uh, fellow ESOPs that retention is lower in employee-owned companies. So it's important for us to educate so that we have long-term teams and employees on staff. Emily, um, this four-step program you talked about you know, is really important and a big investment in itself, but probably positive for everybody every step of the way, I would guess, you know, hiring, onboarding, mentoring, educating about ESOP. Well, your ownership generates a certain culture. Put in your own words, the ESOP culture and the importance it is for retaining people at all levels. It's a great question. And you're 100% correct. The ESOP culture drives many different things. And really for us, the culture is driven by a fast-paced environment and every employee working together for the greater good of the company. There is a lot of passion that goes into what each person does on a day-to-day, which is awesome. It, it ties us all working together for the greater good, and it is more than just money. It's We all want to win together, which is really exciting. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that's right. What skills and knowledge does the executive need to improve retention? The most important skill... I wouldn't even classify it as a skill. It's more just focused around having the conversation on retention, understanding, having a pulse on your employee satisfaction, how the structure of the company is run is critical. It's also important for your leaders to be good communicators and have a people first mindset. We've adopted a people first culture within Owner's Edge and each of our affiliates that really starts with our leaders. And so we are specifically working to drive this culture throughout the business. The foundation of a people-first organization is made up of leaders who are investing in creating an environment where their employees can be at their best for the success of the company. Many of you, I'm sure, are familiar with what it means to be a people-first organization, but for us, we have defined four investments we feel our leaders can make with their people. And those are pretty simple. It's showing that you care, setting clear expectations and holding others accountable, providing candid feedback, and then last but not least, making decisions. 
These may sound easy, but leaders must be intentional about focusing on these key areas to help drive employee satisfaction, which in the end, I think really helps retain our people. It's also important for uh, executives to be collaborating amongst fellow leaders, our senior managers, on what our org structure looks like, what the job descriptions of our team members are, and also focusing on the actual team development. That's critical. Emily, you know, hearing is that if you, you know, give people meaningful work and you give them a chance to work together to do it, then you, you have employees for life. And, and I remember another presentation you gave where making a pitch to young, young workers about coming to one of the owner ed, owner's edge businesses and making it their lifelong career. And that just, that just blew me away. And that was working. And I remember at that meeting, maybe I'll, I'll ask you to elaborate on this about the magic wand. Would you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, the magic wand. So it's a pretty fun exercise that our CEO really integrated and initiated with our executive team. I believe it was about two to three years ago now, where each of our executives met with each of the employees in our organization and went through a magic wand exercise and had a physical magic wand, which is pretty <laughs> cool, I think. <laughs> Um, so the exercise itself was geared to ask each employee the question of, if I had a magic wand and could make changes within the company, your department, our organization, what would they be? What would maybe one or two be? And it's also discussing maybe some problem areas that we have or areas that we've identified for improving. And I think what's neat about Lisa really bringing this into the business is that it was done with every employee, no matter how long they've been with the company or if they've been here only a day, they, the executive team still met with them. And I think that's really neat. And it, it provided really good feedback. And I think our employees appreciated the exercise to be able to give feedback on the company in a very different way. So uh, Emily, how did you answer? What was your magic wand wish? I don't remember. <laughs> I'm guessing at the time I asked for a performance management system. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so maybe nothing crazy, but it was neat to just go through that and understand. Obviously, they wanted to hear from each employee what would make their job better, the culture better. We got a lot of feedback, which we've acted on and implemented new programs, which I think is really neat. I think it's so important when you get senior leadership to really genuinely want to listen and hear feedback about the organization for the purpose of improving it. So uh, yeah, great idea and congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, it starts from the top down to drive culture as well. So it's important that um, our executives do activities like that. So really thinking about um, you know, sort of the pragmatics of retention and managing this whole effort. I mean, it's not a small effort. You know, how do you guys organize yourselves internally? I mean, well, how much time do you spend or information that you use? How do you stay on top of talking to you know, a couple hundred people and, and keeping track of what they, each of them want? You know, I would love to say we have the best system, but it, it takes effort. It, there's a lot of employees and really we try to have many different touch points with our employees to gain feedback. We do monthly surveys to get feedback on, you know, different questions that we have that could drive different business initiatives. We solicit for feedback and understand our employee satisfaction in our performance review program. 
And then we really ask our leaders to have consistent one-to-ones or check-ins with their team members that they could be having these conversations in real time about what's going on, how can I help you, um, any recommendations, how are you feeling satisfaction-wise? We want to know what's going on. So um, it's important for this to be, especially for leaders, a constant topic because the more we can stay in front of how our employees are doing, how they feel they're performing, can just help us retain people in the long run. Yeah, I think you've really uncovered something valuable there in that, you know, asking for feedback is the first part and being consistent about continuously asking for that and doing something with it too is the other part that some organizations do fall down on and if you are acting on the feedback uh, in some way, shape or form, people will wanna give you more, that's great. My, my last question for you uh, is thinking about the crazy year that we just left and the crazy year we're going into. Do you see any particular challenges for you know your peers who are you know working on retention for 2021? Anything special or different you're going to do this year? I think the one thing that we're going to work a little bit harder to do is have more of those conversations in real time. And also um, this last year, 2020 and now 2021, you know, it's been an emotional roller coaster that I think has impacted each employee very differently. So making sure that we know, have a pulse on how each employee is doing and be intentional about some conversations that we're having to ensure people are not going through something alone and providing some support systems. That's where we're going to spend our time this year to help our employees and make sure we're retaining the key talent that we have. We want long-term employees and we are very fortunate that this past year, we did not have significant turnover. A lot of companies maybe aren't in the same spot, but now this year's focusing on how we can help our employees get through this. Um, hopefully this is our last bit of a stretch through what a crazy time 2020 was and start of 2021. Thank you, Emily and Derek for the discussion today and sharing some great examples of how to retain your talent. I'd also like to say thank you to our listeners. We wish you the best of luck as you move forward on your leadership journey and tune into future episodes in this series where we'll build upon the concept of calculating manager value by introducing another metric and real-life examples.